0: Welcome to episode 13 of Weapons of Righteousness Ministries. My name is Taylor Clark, and I'm the founder of this ministry, and this is our online Bible study, and today we're going to be talking about the gift of tongues. The last three episodes, I talked about the baptism into the Holy Spirit, and in the last episode, I I prayed a prayer for anyone who hadn't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I mentioned that... Uh, this next episode, episode 13, would be on the topic of tongues, because I believe that tongues is an outward sign of what's taken place, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to lay some biblical uh, grounding or a foundation for why I believe that. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that you have to speak in tongues in order for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I don't, I don't believe you have to, I believe that you get to and I believe that it is beneficial uh, to walking out what you've received through the Holy Spirit. It is a gift and it's not something that God is going to force on you. And so uh, we're going to get into that here in this episode, we'll see how far we get and this might run over into the next episode or maybe the next two episodes. But you might be asking, well, why are you talking about this? This makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, for many believers, this topic does make them feel uncomfortable. There's actually churches and denominations out or denominations out there that that don't teach on this, that uh, don't talk about it, that say that that was something that was done in the Bible times or in the first church, but that's not for today. There's some churches that believe that the gift of tongues or speaking in tongues is demonic, that it's not of God, and there's some who just kind of kind of kick this into a closet and shut the door and, and just never talk about it, and that's a problem. That is a definite problem within the body of Christ today, that there are certain groups or certain believers that... Choose not to understand this gift they're fine with the gift of teaching they're fine with the the gift of, of giving or the gifts of helps or, or or those types of things but when you get into the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues specifically mm-hmm. many believers have an issue in this area and and they their heart is hardened in this area and so hopefully through this study I'm going to bring some understanding to you. And I'm going to describe or or show you what is available through this gift. And uh, and then at the end of these videos, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive that gift by faith. It's by grace that we receive salvation through faith. And the gift of salvation, salvation is a gift. It's a gift that we must receive by faith. Salvation is the ultimate gift. God's given and by receiving that gift, you're now you now have a whole a whole room full of gifts available to you through salvation. But every gift must be received by grace through faith. And so I'll go into that a little bit more into this study, but I'm just going to backtrack and recap on what we talked about over the last 3 episodes. So in episodes 10 through 12, we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we went and looked at the doctrine of baptisms, how in Hebrews 6, verse 2, it talks about there is a doctrine of baptisms, plural. So there's three baptisms, like I mentioned. There's the baptism into the body of Christ, and the baptizer there is the Holy Spirit. That's the born-again experience. Then there's water baptism, That's the outward sign of what's taken place on the inside of you. And that's done by a another believer, preferably a mature believer, a a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then there's the baptism into the Holy Spirit, which is you are baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And we went through the grounds of of why the, the biblical foundation of of why that's needed, and the different examples shown in the Word of God, and then I ended with giving you the opportunity to receive the baptism into the Holy Spirit, and if you did that, uh, what I would ask you to do is just reach out to me through through uh, my email, which is WeaponsOfRighteousnessMinistries, uh, TMC at gmail.com, um, or you can go to our website weaponsofrighteousness.org and you can reach out to me that way if you just click on contact us and then leave your information and type a quick message in there and that will go directly to my email account and I can respond to you that way and congratulate you and join you in celebrating this new uh, part of your walk with the Lord. And so we also talked about how this is a separate experience from the born again experience and uh Again, I closed with the prayer to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to move into tongues. And and again, I'm talking about this because speaking in tongues was often uh, described in Scripture as taking place after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's many different parts in the book of Acts that describe how once the Holy Spirit filled an individual, they began to speak in new tongues and prophesy. And we're gonna go into some of those examples here in just a little bit. But I wanna start out with some questions that I, I'd like you to ask yourself before we get into this study. Because many people have, like I said, they've, their heart has become hardened this area of scripture because they don't understand it or they've seen this abused or or they just think it's weird and if it's weird then it can't be god and hopefully i can remove some of that weirdness and i can uh through through teaching and explaining this to you and laying a biblical foundation you will be more open to this gift and exercising this gift because i speak in tongues a lot i should speak in tongues more i should pray in tongues more this is in my own prayer time, I, I pray in tongues a lot. And there's benefits of that. There's things that I've seen in my life that uh, that have uh, matured me and grown me immensely from where I was before, prior to that. And I've received a lot of, of revelation from the Lord through his word, but by praying in tongues before reading his word. There's things that I've been motivated to do uh, that the Lord has put on my heart while I've prayed in tongues that I would not have normally done. And so praying in tongues is extremely powerful. And I, I want you to be open to this. I want you to have an open heart, an open mind, open ears to hearing this and, and see why Paul taught so strongly on this. And in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he told the Corinthian church, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. Paul wishes that you would speak in tongues, but it's a choice that's made by you. You have the free will to choose whether to open this gift and walk in it or to not. And I'm gonna talk about the difference between the corporate speaking of tongues, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues described by Paul, which is to be done corporately in church, for the congregation, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then I'm going to contrast that with the personal tongue, the personal prayer language that every believer is given, which is given to us to edify ourselves, to build ourselves up. And so I'm going to contrast that and show why I believe Scripture shows that every believer has this gift available to them as far as their own prayer language. Some some denominations believe in the gift of tongues, but only the corporate gift of tongues. It's not for, they believe that it's not for everybody. And I'm going to show, hopefully, uh, show you that, that this is for every, every believer. This is available. It's a gift. It's not a gift only given to a certain few, but it's a gift given to all believers as far as the personal prayer language to build yourself up, up to edify you. So... Just some some questions I want you to ask yourself. First thing is, are you going to read the Bible as if it's God's word to you? Or are you going to look at it like it's a history book? You see, many believers look at the Bible and they look at it as if it's just a history book. That's awesome that those things happened 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago when the Old Testament entered. That's awesome that those things happened back then, but that can't happen to me. Many believers have that point of view. They read the Bible and they say, and that's awesome that Paul experienced that, or that's awesome that Peter experienced that, or the church in Corinth experienced that, or the, the church in Ephesus experienced that, but but that's not that's not available for me today. They look at it like it's a, a, a book on the American Revolution, or on World War One, or that, that those things happened in the past, and that's great, but they don't read it as if it applies to them. When I read the Bible, I read it as it's God's word to me. The New Testament was written for New Testament believers. The New Testament was written for you, for me. We are New Testament believers. In the Old Testament was written so that we can look back and learn and see, uh, be taught by the examples given in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is to be something that we look back on and we can draw from and learn from and then look and read it through the lens of the New Covenant, what we have through Jesus Christ. That is how we are supposed to utilize the Bible. The Bible is to instruct and reprove us. I believe it's Second Timothy, either First or Second Timothy, three sixteen, uh, that says that the Bible is the Word of God is used to. Well, let's just let's go to instead of me saying it and then maybe quoting it wrong. I'm going to go to it uh, so that I quote it correctly. So we're going to do Second Timothy three sixteen. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the purpose of Scripture for you. This is the purpose of Scripture for me, that it will be profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction and righteousness and that we, we may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work so we need to read the bible as it's god's word for us and if we go to well i'm going to finish these questions here the second question i want you to ask yourself is if jesus saw it necessary for the gifts of the spirit to be given to the disciples to fulfill the great commission Why would it be any different for us if it hasn't been fulfilled yet? You see, the Great Commission, the reason why God empowered the disciples through the Holy Spirit and made these gifts available to them, available to the church, the body of Christ, is so that we could go out and fulfill the Great Commission. You see, God's never going to tell us something or, or command us to do something without giving us the power or the ability in order for us to fulfill that command or walk that command out. God is not gonna ask you to do something without making the power available or the uh, the way available for you to walk through it and do it. So Jesus gave them a command by telling them to go into all the world, preach the gospel, to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. So he's given this great commission to his, to his apostles, the believers at that time, the disciples. And there was more than just the disciples there that heard this commission. There was more people there than just the 12. There was actually 120 waiting in the upper room for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gave this commission to those believers, and he said, but tarry in Jerusalem for the outpouring, for the promise of the Father. So Jesus said, wait, because you can't fulfill this commission without the Holy Spirit. So he said, wait, and I will give you the power source for you to fulfill this command that I've given you. So if Jesus thought it so necessary to give the apostles, to give those first believers, the hundred, the 120 that were in the upper room, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that came along with the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the Great Commission, why would it be any different for today for you and me? Because we haven't fulfilled the Great Commission yet. Next question, if the gift of tongues isn't for today, why did Paul write an entire chapter instructing the church how to use it correctly and in order? And there's many people who say, well, that was to the church of Corinth. So that doesn't apply to us today. Paul wrote that specifically to the church in Corinth. Well, why is it included in the Bible then? The Bible is written for us. It's written for New Testament believers. It's written for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. It's written so that we can, so it uh, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Why did God inspire Paul to write an entire chapter on how the gift of tongues is to operate corporately and personally, if it's not for today, or if it wasn't for every believer? You see, in Second and uh, First Corinthians, chapter fourteen, which is where we're gonna. Uh, Be looking at primarily in this study at the very end let's see in verse 37 it says this is the end of 1st Corinthians 14 the chapter where Paul is is the is explaining this gift of tongues because apparently this was a disputed topic back in, in Paul's days this was a, uh, a topic that was not understood. This gift was not understood in how to operate in order, uh, in an orderly fashion, corporately and then personally. And so Paul is instructing them on how to operate in this gift biblically or according to uh, what glorifies Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 37, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual so if any of you guys think that you are spiritual, Paul says this, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you, so he doesn't, again, let me go back and say, he doesn't say that if if anyone within the Corinthian church thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual. No, he says if anyone thinks himself, if any believer, any person thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, Let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So everything that he wrote in that chapter, I mean, everything that Paul wrote in general is a commandment from the Lord. But within that chapter specifically, there's a reason why he ends that chapter this way. He says that we must acknowledge that these are the commandments of the Lord. So you can say what you want about tongues and that it's weird and that, uh, that we're just not going to talk about that. We're going to kind of take that part of the Bible and just throw it into the closet, close the door, lock the key, and never talk about, about it again. But according to Paul here, you're not acknowledging that the things that he just wrote in chapter 14 are the commandments of the Lord, are from the Lord, inspired by God. And then he goes on to say, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. So you can choose to be ignorant of the things of God. You can choose to be ignorant of this gift of tongues. Paul says, if any of you is ignorant, let him be ignorant. So you can choose that, or you can listen to this, and you can choose to seek it out yourself. You can choose to desire it yourself. You can choose to operate in this gift and reap the blessings that come from the gift of tongues. And, and I'm gonna go into explaining the blessing of this gift in my own personal life, and my own testimony of how I received this gift and and walked it out. And what I've seen since that time in my life and the changes that I've seen take place i got a couple more questions, though. I want you to ask yourself. If tongues aren't available to everyone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, why does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues? Again, there's many denominations that believe that this is not for every believer. And hopefully, through this, you'll see that it is available for every believer. Next question. If we are commanded by Paul to imitate him as he imitates Christ, shouldn't we all speak in tongues and utilize this gift like he did? Paul says several times throughout the New Testament, imitate me, what you've seen, what you've heard, what I've taught, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think as far as the body of Christ goes, Everybody believes and everybody is in agreement that Paul was the greatest missionary of all time, that Paul was a powerful man of God, that Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And they'll preach a lot of messages on Paul and what Paul did and and that we are to imitate him in these things. But then as, as far as tongues goes, there's a very, there's, there's not a, a a lot of denominations that teach that we are to imitate Paul in his operation of the gifts of the Spirit in, in tongues. Paul said that he spoke in tongues more than t- the entire Corinthian church. And so why would he say, imitate me, imitate what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've seen me write and teach as I imitate Christ? Obviously, he believed that speaking and praying in tongues glorified God that it was that it was important to the body of Christ that it was important to his walk as a believer why else would he pray in tongues more than the entire Corinthian Church and so that's a, that's something that you have to ask yourself if you're against speaking in tongues why if Paul commanded in 1st Corinthians 14 39 do not forbid to speak in tongues. There's many that say that tongues are, are of the devil, that we are not supposed to speak in tongues, that, that tongues does not glorify God. Well, if you believe that, or if you are a part of of a church that believes that, then you are violating this command of the Lord. Again, in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, Paul says that these are commandments of the Lord If you forbid the speaking of tongues, you are in violation of a commandment of the Lord, outlined by Scripture. And the last one I want to ask you is, Why is a large portion of the body of Christ against speaking in tongues and not exercising this gift if the entire New Testament was written by those who did speak in tongues? Do you understand that the entire New Testament, every book, in the New Testament, was written by believers who operated in the gift of tongues, who spoke in tongues. We are reading and studying, and our whole covenant, our new covenant, was was documented and written and authored by people, by believers, who spoke in tongues. But yet today, many believers think this isn't available to them. Or they don't want to speak in tongues and believe me if you don't want to speak in tongues you won't speak in tongues so i would encourage you to look back at these questions replay this a couple times listen to these questions and ask yourself well why why is that and hopefully within within these next studies i'll answer that question why and you'll be you'll be able to gain some understanding and you'll be able to uh, to not be ignorant regarding this gift. And I pray that you will receive it by faith and operate in it because it is powerful. It is a powerful blessing, a powerful gift that's meant to be utilized by the body of Christ to equip you in order to do all that God has called you to do in this life. And so for the first scripture, we're going to go to Mark chapter sixteen, verses fifteen through eighteen, and this is Mark's documentation or recording of Jesus's great commission. You know, there's different uh, wording used in Matthew. I mean, there's similar wording used in Matthew and Mark, and and the different uh, different writers and their uh, recollection of Jesus's great commission. And in Mark's, he says things that Matthew didn't record, which doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean that Mark's account is, is false and Matthew's account is right. It means there was two different people seeing an event that have similarities but also have differences, that heard different things that the other person didn't hear. And we in law enforcement understand this. We can go to a call and we can interview multiple multiple witnesses of an incident. One witness will say one thing and then we'll go to another witness and they'll describe similar things if they're telling the truth, if one of them is, if they're both telling the truth, they'll describe similar things in the incident, but they'll also have additional details that the first person didn't give. And so just because Mark chapter 16 verses 15 through 18 doesn't look like Matthew chapter 28 in Matthew's account doesn't mean that either one is wrong. It means it includes both. It includes both of their testimonies of what they heard. And so in Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18, Mark says this, And he, referring to Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So the first thing I want to focus on, and this might be the last thing, this is probably going to be the last thing I talk about on this video. We'll continue on with this topic in the next video, in episode 14. But I want to close by talking about uh, focusing on this phrase, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is kind of a side note, stepping away from the tongues aspect of it. I want you to understand, because I see and I hear believers all the time, they bring up uh, that someone is condemned by sin, someone's condemned because they committed suicide, someone's condemned because they were a murderer, because they did something horrible in their life. I want this to be very clear to every person listening, that you, the only thing that condemns you to hell is not believing in Jesus Christ. That's it. Sin does not condemn you to hell. Suicide does not condemn you to hell. Murder does not condemn you to hell. Cassing does not condemn you to hell. The only thing that condemns a person to hell is rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I mean, listen to this verse. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But notice what he says, but he who does not believe will be condemned. There's many people who believe that if you don't get water baptized, then you're still going to hell or water baptism is what saves you. I was talking to a lady just a couple days ago, witnessing to her at work, and she believed that she was saved because she got wet. Because she she got dunked in water. I want to make this very clear. You getting baptized does not mean you are saved. You believing in Jesus. Believing in his work on the cross. Making him Lord of your life. That is when you are saved. That's when you receive salvation. That's when you are no longer condemned to hell. So again, I want to say not being baptized does not condemn you to hell. We are to get baptized. We are to be water baptized. That's an outward sign of what's taken inwardly. That's a powerful ceremony. That's something that Jesus commanded us to do. But that doesn't mean if you don't get baptized, it doesn't mean that you're going to hell. He doesn't say sin condemns you to hell. No, sin does not condemn you to hell. Jesus dealt with the issue of sin on the cross. Jesus dealt with all sin, took all judgment on the cross, past, present, and future sin. The sin of the world he bore on the cross. So sin is no longer an issue, and sin no longer condemns you to hell. It's not believing in Jesus, making him Lord of your life, that condemns you to hell. And I also want to say this, and I want to make this clear again. I know I've mentioned it suicide does not condemn you to hell. There's many. Pastors, there's many denominations, believers, who say, if you commit suicide, you are condemned to hell. That is not what is said in Scripture. It doesn't say that uh, that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't make him Lord, or if you commit suicide, then you're going to hell, then you're condemned to hell. No, I mean, suicide is not good. Suicide is, is uh, definitely a tool of the devil. It's a um, something that people believe in a deception spoken to them by by Satan himself for them to go and take their own life and kill themselves that's definitely doesn't bless God to do that but it does not condemn you to hell if you if if someone commits suicide it's not well they believed in Jesus but then they committed suicide and so that nixes their belief in Jesus the name of Jesus is not above suicide so uh, So obviously Jesus didn't deal with that sin on the cross. No, Jesus dealt with that sin on the cross. Suicide is a horrific event that can affect family members for generations to come, but it does not condemn a person to hell. The only sin that condemns a person to hell is rejecting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to stop there, and we'll continue in episode 14 on talking about the gift of tongues and what that means and the biblical foundation for that i want to thank you all for listening today i pray that it's uh, something i said blessed you and uh, we'll catch you in the on the next episode i want to close here in prayer real quick and uh and then we'll we'll finish father i just thank you for this time i thank you for everybody that is listening to the sound of my voice lord that i pray the words that i've spoken in this episode have hit good ground and that those seeds will take root and will reproduce a hundredfold within their lives and the lives of those around them as they begin to speak boldly your word to those people around them, Lord. I pray, Father, that those listening would read your word as it's your word to them and not just a history book. And that they would take these truths, Lord, that I'm speaking and apply them to their lives. Holy Spirit, confirm to them that what I'm speaking is truth thank you for doing that, Lord. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for the gift of tongues. I thank you for all the gifts available to us through the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for blessing this time that we've been able to share together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a blessed week.